These days, you can throw a brick in any direction and hit a healthcare marketer who's talking about being patient-centric. The ones who are really serious about that are doing things like creating patient journey maps to better understand the milestones or stages of a patient's experience by doing things like analyzing health records and claims data. But what if the patient journey actually became the patient's journey? Hello and welcome to DataPoint, a podcast about all the ways that data and analytics are driving innovation in healthcare today. I'm your host, Greg Matthews. Our guest today is Steve Reeves. Steve is the Senior Director for Digital Consumer Insights and Social Intelligence at DRG, and a heck of a guitar player. Many of us in healthcare relied for years on the research findings of Manhattan Research. When they were acquired in 2008 by Decision Resources, it was hard to know what to expect. Over the last 10 years, DRG has been focused on creating a digitally integrated research firm and on keeping the patient in the center of their work. Today, we'll have a chance to hear from Steve how his team is helping to make that vision real and how his clients are responding. Spoiler alert, they love it. Hey, Steve, thanks so much for being with us on DataPoint today. Thanks so much for having me, Greg. I appreciate it. Absolutely. This is a, an interview I've been wanting to do for a long time. You and I have known each other for probably right. close to five years now. That's right. Uh, and sort of have worked a little bit in parallel fields. And so I'm really excited to introduce you to our listeners. And I'd love if you could just start by giving us a little background. Where did you come from and how did you wind up playing this leadership role at DRG? Yeah, no, thank you so much for the question, Greg. Um, so my background has been, uh, if we back up 10 years or so, it's really been hyper-focused on digital uh, in general and then uh, more specifically social. Um, and when I talk about social, there's really kind of two sides to the coin. So social for the sake of uh, driving better engagement strategies online, et cetera, and then social as a as really as an observational research channel. Hmm. Um, I tend to congregate more in social as a, as a research channel. You know, I work obviously um, on, on a number of different research programs and, and, and modules, things like that here within DRG. And so just to give you a little bit of background, about 10 years ago, I was introduced to this whole uh, concept of social listening. And this really was when social listening was kind of being birthed, if you will, with the, yeah. the advent of six. And yeah, it was mm. totally in, in its infancy. And I just really clung to it. I, I found that it was um, something that intrigued me, the idea of being able to uh, understand uh, collectively um, what's happening with regard to the, uh, the consumer mindset and things of that nature. And I kind of followed that path. And so over the last 10 years, I've spent time both on the technology side of the house, um, you know, social analytics technology, um, and how that fits into a larger you know, marketing data stack, if you will. Mm -hmm. And then uh, most recently, uh, prior to DRG, I'd worked for Dell Services, which was a division of Dell that um, we had sold to NTT Data. Mm -hmm. And there I was responsible for, uh, for leading go-to-market for their social insights and analytics uh, business. Once I concluded my role there, I had joined DRG, and part of the reason why I joined DRG was because um, we actually had a mutual connect um, through Xuan Gui, um, who introduced me to the to the uh, to the company, 
And then, you know, I was just really fascinated with being able to create uh, create good out of, I mean, there, it's good in general, you know, any industry, but create a sense of, of goodness with uh, how to better understand patients, how to deliver better care to patients through their actual voice. And so I've been here for yeah, this is going on four years now and just having a really, really good time. It's it's a part of my career where I can honestly say that I've been able to do my my best work. So, And that the, the, it's so great to hear that. And it's sort of funny because I was speaking at a conference that Schwen put on, which is where I met the uh, president of W2O, and it's how I wound up moving to Austin. So you and I gotcha. both have a, a pretty strong Schwen <laughs> yeah. connection. He's a, uh, he's we'll a matchmaker of sorts. He <laughs> certainly right. is a connector. Uh, and a great fisherman, too. Uh, we went fishing. <laughs> so, so I hear. So you've experienced that personally, huh? Personally, yeah. Up in Maine in Casco Bay last year, which was great. Oh, so yeah. That is awesome. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about making the jump from a technology environment to a healthcare focus. How different has it been yeah. from a social and analytics perspective? What was your learning curve like? Yeah. So that's a really good question. Um, I think my learning curve really was, was centered on understanding the nuance is related with restrictions in the healthcare space, right? So, you know, a, a healthcare consumer, I, I just, I think of consumers as consumers, but um, obviously we have to align to a various number of different regulations, uh, both with the FDA, of course, and then also um, with GDPR and state level mm -hmm. mandates and things like that. So, you know, that was a learning curve for me in terms of, you know, there's a lot that you can do with data um, when you're talking about a consumer of, you know, Nike shoes or of Dell computers or whatever. Um, mm -hmm. But I think that we can actually learn a lot from what other industries are doing and not necessarily replicate, but certainly borrow a lot of the great ideas that, you know, that we've seen done or I've seen done um, outside of pharma. So the, to answer the question, it's really based upon, the learning curve associated with um, understanding the the regulation environment, and then also, pharma enterprises are super super complex. I mean, yep. there's a variety of different um, stakeholders, uh, both on the clinical and commercial side of the house. You know, different brands have different mandates and things like that, and so that's been a really fun thing to learn. I feel like, you know, I'm sort of probably about a year and a half ago, I started hitting my stride in terms of really, really understanding the pharma enterprise, but yep. uh, that's an evolving thing. So it, it absolutely is. And you raise a really good point because it's not only a learning curve for you, but it's an education curve in terms of being able to apply some of the things that you had done, you know, for years and years outside the healthcare industry to the way things are practiced in healthcare. And it's an education for your clients and, and for your firm, I would imagine too, but a, a, a one that, one that, provide some constructive upward tension, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that's so, right. You know, I think probably most of our listeners are familiar with DRG. Almost everybody is familiar with Manhattan Research, which is uh, where DRG came from. But can you tell us a little bit about the DRG of today? Because I'm guessing that some of our listeners may not even know to the extent that DRG has gone digital. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's a, I mean, thank you for asking the question. So first and foremost, DRG is like an, just an awesome place to be right now. Um, there's a lot of great changes that are happening, um, but at the center of what we do is helping healthcare businesses improve the lives of patients really around the world. And the way that we do this is helping pharma create better patient-centric commercial strategies they really ultimately drive better outcomes and better access. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, it, you know, utilizing that as the anchor point and really thinking about the patient, um, that's just such a huge focus for us is um, how to drive better experience, better support, better education opportunities for the patient. And, um, you know, when we think about the different stakeholders at play, um, be it HCP, caregiver, patient, you know, we touch all of them. But the patient is, you know, in many cases, in in my mind, sacred. You know, we need to make sure that we are doing things that will enable them to receive better care, Mm -hmm. um, to allow their their voice to be heard, their unmet needs to be identified, and and really turn that into something that is – that is used uh, more widely for the the greater good of of people in general. So So you mentioned getting to know the pharma business – how much of your work focuses on pharma versus uh, med tech versus yep. payers and PBMs? How, how does yep. that look for you? So as, a, as an organization, we touch all of those stakeholders. Um, if mm-hmm. we think about DRG uh, as a whole, I tend to focus most specifically on pharma and life sciences companies. And um, I have done work in the past for med tech as well. Not so much on the payer side of the house, at least with regard to social data. Um, mm-hmm. However, it's something that I am, you know, obviously keeping my eye on in terms of um, what are the emerging uh, needs from that particular segment to understand patient care, patient, patient experience, patient satisfaction, et cetera. So. And I, I guess I'm curious because my experience early on, you know, back in the Manhattan research days was thinking about, you know, DRG as, a, as an organization that produced custom research, uh, primary research, did a lot of survey work uh, that was really interesting. Has that gone by the wayside or is there a, is there a mixture now between the research portfolio that's available? Sure. Yeah, it certainly hasn't gone by the wayside. So we we still offer our flagship um, our flagship studies, and those are you know those are still obviously in, in demand. What we've done to complement that is to um, over the last three or four years to launch a, a custom uh, research, custom analytics uh, business, where. Um, I'm one of the quote unquote, if you will, like business owners of that area. Mm -hmm. So focusing in on how we can use social data as a mechanism by which we can really uncover the, the voice of the consumer in a customized way. And the thing that's really interesting to me is that, you know, whether I'm, and I won't, won't name brand names, of course, you know, who who I'm working with, but Mm -hmm. um, if I'm talking to pharma A versus B versus C, there's a, there's like a, um, kind of a thread of uh, commonality between all of them. But the great thing about this environment is that um, it's really a, a, the business questions that we're getting, they are so very, very specific and nuanced. And and so that gives us the ability to create a lot of value in terms of um, basically a tailor fit solution yep. for, for each, uh, for each client. So. Yep, that makes sense. And with that, we're actually going to take a quick break, but stick around because we're going to be right back with Steve Reeves on Datapoint. 
And we're back on Data Point. I'm your host, Greg Matthews, and we're talking today with Steve Reeves from DRG. Steve, when we went to break, you were talking a little bit about the different kinds of work that you're doing for your life sciences customers in particular. Can you tell us a little bit about some of the things that you're particularly excited about right now? Uh, anything that you've uh, really been focusing your attention on? Sure, yeah. So um, the thing that I probably most focused on right now is patient journey. And then a subset of patient journey is what we call emotional journey. Mm -hmm. And we've actually been developing the emotional journey framework slash solution over the last three or so years, um, received trademark for it here recently, which was cool. And really what it does is it's designed to help pharma move from what is traditionally been a transactional understanding of the patient journey, um, mm. utilizing data sets like claims data or, or EHR data or PMR data, which are all valuable data sets, um, but moving from transactional to relational by integrating in the actual voice of the patient. Um, and when we have done this um, over the last probably three years, like I said, it just provides a much different level of insight, much more qualitative humanistic level of insight on the actual patient. And so essentially that's kind of, you know, that's kind of the thing that I'm really, really excited about right now is being able to think about the patient journey as a more um, sort of a more humanistic type approach and to overlay or integrate the actual voice of the patient. And when you think about that, I mean, it, it kind of obviously makes sense. I mean, when we talk about patient centricity and, and pharma brands wanting to be patient centric, mm -hmm. it then makes obvious sense why it'd be important to put the actual voice of the patient into the center of the equation. Um, one thing that I had recently heard, which was just struck a chord with me, um, I you know, I follow Brian Solis outside of, um, of pharma. He's a sure. great thought leader. Yeah, marketing guru. Exactly. Yeah. And so he actually had a post recently, which talked about, and he does a lot of customer journey design and, and things mm. like that. And he talked about how it's not the customer journey, but it's the customer's journey. And so if you think about that, that just one little apostrophe right there, it makes such a such a world of difference when we when we start thinking about how we design patient journeys customer journeys to actually put the consumer in the in the center and then build outwards um, and I kind of think of that the same way in terms of what it means in healthcare it's not the patient journey it's the patient's journey and again that that one that one apostrophe makes a world of difference and it, you know, it causes us to challenge ourselves and think, you know, are we truly putting the patient at the center of the, of the patient journey design equation? And if we're not, yep. what can we do about that? It, it is, it's amazing how that little shift in perspective really, it allows you to look at things from a completely different angle and such an important thing for healthcare companies to understand. And if you're able to bring them that perspective, I, it's incredibly valuable. Um, yeah. I, I would love, like, I don't know how deep you can go, and I'm, we're obviously going to point people to some resources uh, where they can find out more after the podcast, but sure. I'd love to hear a little bit more about how you're involved in bringing the patient's perspective into the patient's journey. Sure. Yeah. Thanks. Um, so I can give you a, a bit of a rundown on what the solution looks like and how we're actually yeah. implementing it into pharma right now. So um, essentially what we're doing is we're utilizing, um, there's kind of a, a dual path to it. So 
um, if brands don't have a documented patient journey, which most do, but some don't, if they don't have a formal patient journey document that they have developed, um, we certainly you know do that work and we do it you know with a variety of different data sets. Um, and then with regard to the emotional journey, what we're doing is we're utilizing anonymized voice of the patient data found from across you know, digital and social channels, et cetera, hmm. um, to be able to understand what is the unique voice of the patient. We then are able to segment that by journey stages. And so a, a basic journey stage would be obviously things like symptomatic to diagnosis, to treatment, et cetera. But what we found is that uh, many pharma have super customized views of what the patient journey is. And so we can actually, because there's so much data out there um, from the voice of the consumer, voice of the patient, both obviously publicly available and anonymized data, Mm -hmm. um, what we're able to do is we're able to actually categorize that by very specific types of journey stages. And then we've done something interesting over the last few years is um, we've we've developed a a 14-point emotional scale. And what we're able to do then is to say, okay, what are very common emotions that we, you know, that we tend to see in conversation? And then what we do is we can apply that uh, emotional scale to the data set. And so when we do that, it gives us the ability to say, okay, here are how um, emotions ebb and flow in part one of the journey versus two versus three versus four. And you can think about that pragmatically. You know, one part of the journey might be, um, you know, first line therapy, second line therapy, third line therapy. Mm -hmm. And when we do that, it actually provides um, the why behind the patient journey. And so, you know, you can get the what and the where and the when uh, in many cases through claims data, EHR data, et cetera. But what we found is that incorporating the voice of the patient actually illuminates the why. And that's actually been something super valuable to to customers. I actually recently got a, a few testimonials from customers that, um, that, that talked about their experiences with uh, insights gleaned from the emotional journey that we've built. And it was just really humbling, number one, and, and kind of validated the fact that pharma needs this. And, and, and I'm yep. excited to be in this, uh, in this uh, sort of juncture. So I'm curious about you know, your experience in the market and sharing some of these kind of insights. Yeah. Are, do you find that your clients are focused primarily on wanting to understand how the patients experience their, I guess, their disease and their clinical experience? Or are they going beyond that? Like, do they want to know, uh, you know, about community experiences or, or experiences with family or financial, right. uh, you know, concerns? Like, how, how, how deep does your customer set want right. to go with patients and, and how much of that can you, can you focus on? Yeah. So they, I mean, to answer the question, they want to go super deep, right? So mm. um, what they're finding is that there are a lot of peripherals that actually impact um, patient decisions. Emotions impact decisions. Uh, you know, when, you, when someone is uh, navigating the healthcare uh, system pragmatically, you know, when they go to the doctor, why do they go to the doctor? Those are things mm-hmm. that are more tangible, but the intangibles have been proven to be really valuable as well. So understanding um, family constructs or burden of care or unmet need and how emotion or attitude is actually tied to those um, is, is really, really interesting. One example I can give you, which um, a couple of years ago, it's well, it's public knowledge because uh, 
Carrie O'Dell um, and I actually presented it at Digital Pharma East a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically, we were studying the fertility journey and we were doing the emotional journey on fertility uh, patients. And what we found was that in the third phase of the the journey, which I can't describe like in detail just because of you know confidentiality reasons sure how they how they determine what you know stage three of the journey is but in stage three of the journey what happened was we found a very very noticeable spike in the emotion of frustration from fertility patients and when we dug into this it was actually linked to them feeling like they uh they didn't have the proper resources, education materials in clinic um, that helped them make a viable decision on starting again, you know, this is stage three, but it would be mm-hmm. considered first line therapy and actually caused them not to continue therapy. So when you huh. think about the application here from the standpoint of even like, you know, helping to drive adherence regimen, it's something that's actually real. So. Oh yeah. I mean, and that's something that, your clients could actually take meaningful action on Correct. in terms yep. of addressing a, a gap in the in the patient's experience. That's right. Yeah, Fantastic. all with the the focus on creating better experiences for patients, right? So that's really the the central point to, you know, how my team and I have designed it over the last 3 or so years is it has to be actionable in terms of driving greater value for the end patient. Absolutely. So Steve I can't believe it, but we're going to need to close off the interview <laughs> here. I know that the, our listeners are probably going to have a lot of questions and want to get in touch with you. I'm going to put your LinkedIn address and your Twitter handle in our show notes, as well as the uh, uh, there's a great YouTube video that you guys have produced on yep. the patient's emotional journey. That link will be there. What are some other ways that people could reach out to you, Steve, if they want to learn more? Sure. Yeah. Um, so feel free to email me. My email is sreeves at teamdrg.com. I'm happy to answer any and all questions. And um, yeah, I look forward to kind of you know, navigating the, uh, the this complex healthcare ecosystem with everybody. So That sounds great. Steve, thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, it has been a pleasure and we're going to be watching your work with interest. Thanks so much, Greg. I appreciate your time. Thanks so much for listening to the DataPoint podcast. If you like what you've heard, please do rate, review, and share it with your social network. It means a lot. And if you have ideas for show topics or guests, please email them to me at greg at healthquant.health or send a direct message to at chimoose on Twitter. That's C-H-I-M-O-O-S-E on Twitter. For more information about this show or any of the terrific healthcare podcasts in the Touchpoint Media Network, check them out at touchpoint.health. See you next time.